Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 594. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to Storic Cold, creators of the revolutionary Coolbot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. Save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the Coolbot system and an air conditioner. Don't have time to build your own? They also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Today we have a real treat, a visit with floral artist and longtime Slow Flowers member, Susan McCleary. Susan's new book, Flowers for All, will be released on February 7th, and she joined me earlier this week to record a conversation about the book and discuss what inspired her to produce it. We discuss her passion for continual experimentation with mechanics, ingredients, and more as she pushes the boundaries of ordinary botanicals. Sue has shared photos from the book's interior pages, which I've edited into the episode. And be sure to listen after our interview for details on how you can enter to win a free class and enter Sue's drawing to win a number of special handmade floral print garments as part of her pre-order promotion. The subtitle for Flowers for All is this, Modern Floral Arrangements for Beauty, Joy, and Mindfulness Every Day. From the belief that flowers should be enjoyed by everyone, renowned floral artist Susan McCleary reveals the secrets to making striking, joyful floral displays using common ingredients. Whether you get flowers at the grocery store, the farmer's market, or from your own cutting garden. I'm so happy you can join us. So let's jump right in and meet Susan McCleary. I want to welcome our special guest and dear friend, Susan McCleary, today. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thank you for having me. You bet. Coming to us from your Ann Arbor studio. You have blooms in your space, so that's positive. I do. Yes. I have hyacinth and I have some daffodils and some potted orchids. So I'm trying. And I have a freesia here because the scent helps me on gray days. Yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Okay. So you are, of course, a past guest of the podcast, and I'm so delighted you agreed to come back and talk about your newest project. And I'm going to hold it up on the screen. Sue's new book, Flowers for All. Oh, she's got it. Great. Twinsies. Um, This book will be available uh, February 7th, available now for pre-order. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll share all those links uh, in our show notes. And we're going to talk about the book. And also we're, we'll talk about some of the, the features and things you can learn from the book. I have to stop though and say, Sue, this is your second book. Yes. Because you previously published Wearable Flowers in 2020 and um, great book. And I was honored to be part of it as getting to write the introduction. So if you don't have that, add that to your library too. Um mm-hmm. And I'm kind of interested, Sue, like, you know, the wearables was such a theme for you and you've migrated to something broader with Flowers for All. So can you talk a little bit about that evolution in your um, your own design process and also your preferences for where you want to see flowers in on, you know, wearables and in spaces? Yeah. So, yeah, wearable flowers um, was kind of my first curiosity deep dive subject um, because I did get into flowers by way of accessory design. I was making jewelry for friends and one friend hired me to make her wedding jewelry and asked me to do her wedding flowers. And so that really was my first um, real attraction to floristry, all the little handiwork. Um, But after I made the book, um, The Art of Wearable Flowers, I felt a little bit frustrated because the projects are really meant for florists, you know, or meant for people who are really into floral design. And there wasn't much for the everyday like flower lover um, to do. I didn't Mm -hmm. offer a lot of projects that were really accessible or welcoming to kind of the novice or just flower lover. So um, my Hmm. publisher reached out and said that they were looking for kind of a field guide to floristry. They had a different um, theme in mind. And I wasn't terribly interested in what they were proposing, but I thought, how do I make a book that feels really welcoming, really accessible um, to all levels of of skill and all flower lovers? So I kind of um, proposed an idea back to them, which they ended up accepting with lots of back and forth. But the book um, Flowers for All was born from that that idea that I wanted a book that felt like anyone who picks it up, young, old, new to floristry, more seasoned, would see something in there for, for them that they could kind of latch on to. Mm. Um, and that idea was really um, interesting and fresh feeling to me because I had been so hyper-focused on florists and even further hyper-focused on like wedding florists and right. event floristry. So yeah, this book felt really refreshing and 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 a different. Feel. It is refreshing, and um, maybe you could read a little bit from the book. I was just there's some things in the introduction that are so um, you know sort of like indicators of where your head is at right now and how you how you lo- use uh, flowers. Like on the top of page eleven, you start out by saying living with flowers can remind us that and you list all of those items um can you just read those and share them with okay. us from top of page 12 i just think it's so it's you're make you're so accessible and you you're letting you inviting everyone in that's what all is all about and i love that yeah um so the the bullets are artists for all we are all creative flowers and plants are accessible to all Nature is endlessly inspiring. Locality and seasonal, seasonality matter. Flowers have mood-boosting qualities. Pausing and appreciating uh, moments of beauty regularly enhances well-being. 
The practice of floral appreciation has value and the value of flowers is not tied to their longevity. Mm, that really spoke to me. I was like, okay, this is um, not an, a book of exclusivity or elite uh, professionalism. And I think that that was a smart call on your part to try to, to say, let's, let's let everyone touch flowers and everyone play with flowers. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a real flower nerd, as you know, I think very deeply about these topics and my husband te- teases me <laughs> regularly, but, um, something struck me in 2020. Uh, I was talking to a friend who lives in Brooklyn and I had some seeds and, uh, or I had a cool plant and, and I said, well, I can send you some seeds. And she didn't respond for a while. And I was like, well, does she want me to send them or not? And then she responded and she's like, I don't have any dirt. (laughs) She's like, I don't have a patio. I don't have a square inch of space to put a pot. She was essentially saying, you know, my reality is different. I don't have natural spaces where Mm -hmm. I can plant this wild vine. Mm -hmm. Um, And that like kind of, it, it maybe sounds obvious, to people, but it kind of occurred to me that a lot of floristry books and a lot of floristry talk is really geared towards people that do have land and space mm-hmm. and, and green space available to them. And so it kind of um it kind of like reeled me in and made me think, well, flowers are meant for everyone to enjoy. And there is a way um wherever you are to enjoy what you can find around you. It doesn't have to be walking on your acreage, you know, Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. plucking beautiful vines. It can be going down to uh, the corner store and finding, you know, a potted hyacinth and then taking that hyacinth and making something beautiful with it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. What you said about that uh, kind of little bubble that we get ourselves in, I would definitely apply to the garden book world because Mm -hmm. that implies that you own land or you have access to land. And so it's, it's too bad because there are ways for people to engage with growing plants who don't have land and we need to keep that in mind. So you're touching on that is, is good to hear about. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the three main sections of the book. Yeah. And maybe touch on one of your favorite projects. And I'll try to follow along and maybe hold the book up, but we'll also show some uh, cutaway images. But flowers for me, <laughs> I love. That's, that's <laughs> simple projects to bring joy, mindfulness, and beauty to your days. So you really, you just really um, encourage the reader to consider flowers. All those attributes you mentioned earlier, those mood boosting at- attributes, like that's why you want to have flowers for you. Right. Yeah. So I like to work in general from little tiny projects up to larger. It just helps me stay organized. So I did organize the book that way purposely. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first chapter is meant um, to encourage people to buy flowers for themselves. Um, And also like the very first little project, which isn't really a project in flowers for me is me talking about um, how I value buying flowers for myself. So mm-hmm. for it, when it's for me, I buy the weirdo flowers. Like I buy the strangest colors, the most unique varieties. If I'm at the um, farmer's market, I'm buying some, some strange, you know, black frilly tulip that everybody <laughs> else thinks is weird. And I, because I like, it makes me happy and it keeps me inspired and, um, 
curious, but it also encourages the growers to keep planting the weirdos, you know? So if it's some like, um, you know, Fritillaria uva vulpis or something that the public might think is kind of strange or not very pretty or might smell bad, (laughs) uh, that's what I'm buying for myself. Like I will snatch every single bunch up and just cherish them. So that's the first project in flowers for me is just encouraging people if they're if it's accessible to them, if they're, if they have, you know, the extra, um, you know, in their budget to do so, to just, you know, indulge yourself as often as you can. Um, and then there's some small kind of meditative projects that would be great for, um, like this one here. Yeah. Just kind of like plucking things from your outdoor environment, getting things even from, I, I visited the farmer's market many times during the making of this book and it, in my daily life too. But some of those flowers that you see there are edible flowers that were mm-hmm. in a clamshell mm-hmm. for, um, for salad making. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a project that we open to anyone, any skill level. I, I love it. I also really think that the, your aesthetic is still really coming through in this uh, book, even with, I mean, like this one really surprised me, this one with the armature, um, mm. that, and just the forget-me-nots, I believe is what, was that the flower that you used? Yeah. Um, so you, you, um, you've studied with Hitomi and Gregor and you know how to build armatures. <laughs> is that sort of what inspired this? Because this is like a, a paper or tape wrapped wire that you created as part of the, basically a monobotanical arrangement, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really interested in the idea of sharing some of these. They're not they're not advanced floristry techniques, but they're just not talked about or shown very mm-hmm, often. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I like the idea of of introducing these ideas to everyone and just inviting them to try because that armature picture there is very simple, very easy to do. Well, let's talk about flowers for friends, which is a a lovely chapter. And it really is um, kind of the gifting and the celebratory, uh, you know, small floral gifts that you can create for people. There are some wearables in this section. And I really liked that. Um, How did you approach that? Did you kind of, again, let the flower you chose drive the project or did you have specifically projects in mind that you sort of wanted to express? Yeah, um, both. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I wanted to do the bouquet that doubles as a headpiece and I knew I wanted to do the daffodil trumpet crown um, because they're favorite projects. Yeah. 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 This is amazing, Sue. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the bouquet out Mm -hmm. of Hyacinth and we'll, we'll probably put a better photo up on it and here's the headpiece I think even even the because it's not really like a step-by-step how-to but even showing the um the application and then just saying that once you can make one strand out of all the pips on one hyacinth Mm -hmm. stem kind of helps people gauge okay how many flowers do I need to do something like this There, there is a section on technique um you know from bringing flowers into the home, how to make them last as long as they can, um, gathering, sourcing, all of that. Um, and then, yes, care and handling. Talking about the techniques, I think just like stringing those single flowers, um, you know, that's a really cool technique that anyone can then now look at flowers to 
break down like the daffodil, you know, and that's, you said the trumpet beads. I'm just going to show off these earrings, which are gorgeous. <laughs> and there's what? Six blooms constructing yeah. this. And then you went a little wild with your headpiece, but why not? Right. That's your signature <laughs> look. And that's just strands, single strands. And how do you, how do you attach them? Are they on a comb or something? Um, not even. So just straight florist wire, you make a little U-shaped hook and then you string the trumpets onto the hook. The hook keeps the whole lot from sliding Slipping off. off. Right. Yeah. Right. And then um, you do need floral tape, stem wrap tape. You can get that at a craft store if you're mm -hmm. not a florist. Um, and you just kind of join and bind them. Um, and you, you almost create like a headband with the residual wire on the opposite side. Uh -huh. And then you just place it in the hair. Sometimes it just stays on its own, but just a few bobby pins will keep it on the head. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's sort of similar than the headpiece. Um, the hyacinth headpiece also was sort of constructed that way. Yes. I would imagine. Oh, stunning. Um, I love that you integrate crazy fruits, uh, eggplants, uh, a lot of tabletop that, again, people might already have in their vegetable drawer. Um mm -hmm. That's that's a really fun. I mean, again, you see the inherent beauty in the oddball piece of fruit or vegetable, and I I love that that's um, really comes across in this book as well. It's all about the color and the form, right? It is, yeah. And much of this book was made during 2020, um, so my head was really in a specific place. <laughs> what is accessible to me right now? Um, what can I find at the grocery store? For instance, um, we have a lot of, uh, like local, uh, produce markets. Mm -hmm. so there's three that I visit quite often. So the mushrooms and the eggplant and, um, a lot of the herbs in one of the projects are from those markets Yeah, kind of have, um, these places that you go to every day and you might not be thinking about, you know, how to find something for a tabletop piece at your yeah. uh, green grocer, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Pretty everywhere. <laughs> well, also on the cover, you have this really beautiful kind of plum uh, pa palette, I guess. And there's there's definitely plums, but what's that other fruit? Is it a tomatillo or something? It is, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that color. I have a friend who um, has an heirloom farm and cut flower farm. Um, so these are heirloom tomatillo, but she grows all these really cool gourds and squash and yeah, love it. All these really cool heirloom varieties. Love so. it. Well, you also talk about, uh, to, you know, to the reader saying you can go to the grocery store, but you can go to your nursery as well and find plants. And that, you know, that's another source, especially when you're in the Northern part of the U S and you have a short growing season. So I right. love that. Um, Flowers for All, the third section is really, um, there's something in here, I can't remember exactly where you wrote it, but you basically said you'd consider uh, these projects corsages for the room or something like that. Can you riff on that a little bit and clarify that idea? Yeah. This is my way of um, making water-free design palatable, mm -hmm. making it to more traditional florists who, you know, the first tenant of floristry is make everything lasts as long as possible, you know, but I kind of rebel against that sentiment because I feel like that's not the value that flowers have to offer us. It's not that they last two weeks. It's that 
they create this experience um, for us. So I think of large scale installations as, you know, corsages for a room. So they're mm -hmm. meant to be coaxed to perfection to look as beautiful as possible and create an experience for a set amount of time. So that's usually one evening, you know, right. for, for a, a wedding, an event, any celebratory dinner, um, a photo shoot, you know, for us creative people. Um, but they're not, they're not taken home after the event generally, and they're ideally composted. And then, you know, everything that you use to all the hardware is repurposed for another time. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't see it as wasteful, I guess, if the flowers are really long lasting, something like orchids or something, you know, that could be given to the guests at the end of the night, then I'll use a water receptacle in, in the large scale installation or water tubes that I can reuse. But in general, a lot of my large scale installations are, are just composted after the event. Well, this kind of leads me to your process because you said you mainly worked on this book during 2020 and you worked with uh, your photographer, E.E. E. Berger, whose work I'm familiar with, and she's a, a Ann Arbor area photographer. Right, right. Oh, Detroit. Mm -hmm. it's, it clearly was a collaboration because you did most of the photography in your studio, right? Um, mostly in my house. Because, oh, wow. <laughs> which drove me insane because, I don't know, my house, you know, it's not a studio. It doesn't have a lot of like bare spaces and high, you know, it didn't have all the elements that I wanted. However, we, we made it work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was working from home. From... Oh, that's right. Because you you had a period of time without a studio. Correct. Oh, my yeah. goodness. You're because Yeah. And now you're in a studio, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's for the next book. Um, but what I, I what I observed about you while you were working on this book, and I kind of knew you were working on a something about home interior spaces with flowers, but I wasn't really sure what it was. But I noticed that, and I know our listeners and, and viewers will have who follow you will have noticed you're constantly in this like uh, curious, passionate approach to pushing the the boundaries. Like, what will this ingredient do? What will this mechanic do? And then you share it almost every day on Instagram. And so some of those, um, you worked some of those out like publicly, and then they ended up in the book, which I loved. Um, that's just, I guess, trying to find a technique and then like get the next iteration and then the next and see how far you can get it. So I think I think that is um, that is a process that anyone can do. You've just given yourself permission to really design for yourself and for your students and not necessarily for a client. That's something that I purposely kind of went for because although I loved designing for weddings and events, it didn't suit my personality. It just doesn't. It's a certain type of personality or it might be like being a an athlete where you kind of age out or something. I don't know. <laughs> at, so, at some point you just said, I'm <laughs> done. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but my personality is such that I love um, kind of identifying a pain point or identifying something in the industry that needs, you know, refiguring, reimagining, mm -hmm. and then, um, and then testing until I figure out something useful, some useful nugget that I can kind of report back. I just, I love that whole process. Um, and I guess I really started giving myself permission in 2020 again, mm -hmm. because I was completely focused on um, my virtual 
membership group, my student group. Yeah. And wasn't doing events anymore. Um, that had been phased out by that point. So yeah, I felt like this, this really, I don't know, like juicy drive to kind of report back useful findings as much as possible because I know how hard uh, the work of floristry is. I mean, it really is like being a chef, you know, you gather all your ingredients. They all have to be perfect at the same time. You have to, you have one chance, you know, to make it perfect and then you have to deliver it. Yeah. It's harder than being a chef. Against, against a deadline. <laughs> so it has to go in a van. So I know like I, I'm very well acquainted with how, you know, what this work is really like in, in real life. So mm-hmm. I feel like my role as teacher is to figure out as many helpful, inspiring um, fixes, if you will, that will help florists um, just stay creative, stay inspired, um, be more sustainably minded, and just like embrace the the art of floristry as much as possible. So they stay in it, you know, and don't get burned out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, um, it's, this is not a new thing. So you've, but you have been doing this for so long, uh, in terms of exploring, uh, like your whole, uh, very valuable free list, uh, that you have on your Instagram page or on your menu for reliable, mm-hmm. um, reliables that do last longer than average outside of water. I mean, that's, you've spent years working on that list and you keep adding to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when I learned, I mean, I have a whole blog post about this that I'll probably share with you. Um, kind of my, like the source of my passion for floristry. I really had to like sit down and think about it. Like, why, why am I so like charged up about floristry, (laughs) you know? And I identified that when I started about 20 years ago, there were all these like conventional ways of thinking about Mm -hmm. craft and like these kind of limiting beliefs and, and opinions from the larger culture that I kind of like, I wanted to um, challenge, you know? And so I think the way, uh, the way I do that is I encourage florists to see themselves as artists and create from, you know, their creative, uh, well, so that that we can like, so we can kind of break out of what the public expects of floristry and not be so, um, boxed in by those expectations. And then also the other half is to pique the public's curiosity about what it is that florists do. So I'm always trying to think of ways to kind of surprise or, make them consider another, another, um, avenue or just, just see that it's an art form, a visual art form, like any other. Right. Right. It isn't just one thing. Right. Well, that's really what flower flowers for all is attempting to do as well Is you too can be an artist with flowers in, you know, in your everyday life. Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment though. You do sort of get, uh, you do get fixated on things. I do. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. Like, what is that kind of long seaweed tendril that you've been pushing and drying and shaping? Talk about that. That happened just recently. And I, I, I loved all the posts about it. You want me to get a piece? Yeah, sure. Why not? So, um, yeah, I do tend to get fixated. (laughs) Um, things just kind of happen. Like I'm, I guess I'm always looking for a natural material that can do things that 
um, kind of a floral supply. Uh, hmm, how do I say it? I guess I'm always looking for a natural alternative to the floral supplies that we're yeah. so used to. The standard, the standard things. Yeah. Right. So like the wire, the tape, the chicken wire, um, all of these kind of ultimately throwaway supplies. Yeah. Um, there's all of these like natural armatures that can be made that kind of replace the need for some of these things. So uh, yeah, I'm always kind of, I'm sticking flowers in everything, honestly, to see if they hold. And <laughs> it could be anything like nothing's, nothing's uh, safe from yeah. being poked, yeah. but this one it. was just a kind of an awesome chance find a friend of mine um, sent me this video of a seaweed company in Alaska and they were foraging or gathering rather this bullwhip seaweed and they're about 20 feet long and the tubes can be up to like three inches in diameter. Wow. So I saw the tubes and I thought that would be an amazing um, like two-sided water tube if cut in like you. you sure. Yeah. You could put it in installation, fill it with water, and then you could have flowers just hanging out in this natural water tube. So I bought some um, from a forager I found on Etsy, but they do dry out of water in about 24 hours. Mm. So they shrivel up and they become this kind of leathery, flexible, plasticky. Yeah. Yeah. So which got is a bit of a, a, a spring to it, like a coil. Yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of weave them together. Um, and so I've made all sorts of like armatures. This could support flowers in a cascading bouquet for instance. Oh my God. I made a headpiece base. <laughs> um, and I made a hanging installation by joining all of these guys. Um, yeah. I mean, anything that you can create lots of little loops and networks in, um, you can feed flowers through and it can support That's whatever. I love it. To make. Yeah. So this is a new favorite. That is amazing. Yeah. It's almost like you've create, created a way to interlock and make it, them into modules to go big or go small. And <laughs> I think that people will be searching for that, uh, that bullwhip seaweed now, uh, which is a, like a renewable, a renewable product. Nature's, you know, keeps producing it. Oh yeah. And I think it probably is a bit of an issue. It's a little true pro too prolific. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, well, we talked a little bit about your process and sort of the way that you share a lot of your education that you well, your findings be, and your art become education. A lot of it is free and available mm-hmm. through social media, especially on Instagram. Um, but I know that there's uh, several other ways people can learn from you. And I, um, you mentioned your your online community for students. Can you just run us through like the 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 ways that people can learn from you and get get more involved in studying with you? Sure. Yeah, I do um, like to have some things free all of the time. Um, so I do share a lot of tutorials on Instagram, just little yeah. short um, how tos, and there's some longer lectures and things if you kind of uh, scroll back a little bit. Um, and then on Facebook, I have a group called Flower Forward that's also free. 
And um, when I created that group, it's gotten a little too big now, honestly. So it's a little hard to monitor. Mm -hmm. However, there are six free workshops in there that I created. So if you join Flower Forward, you can access those free um, tutorials. So that's another offering. That's cool. Yeah. This year, I have three free um, tutorials with Mayesh uh, as part of their Design Star series. And this year they're focused on sustainable methods. So that's really exciting. Um, the first one's out. And then I have another one first week of February and then first week of March coming okay. out. Okay. We'll be sure to send a uh, share that link too in our, our show notes. I did want to mention that Design Star uh, uh, award or honor. So congratulations for that too. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I've been friends with Mayesh for a long time. So it feels good and right to be part of it. Um, And then, yeah, I have uh, a virtual studio and I started that about five years ago, which is wild. Wow. Um, And that's a membership group, kind of like a gym membership. So you pay uh, monthly. And as long as you're a member, you have access to the library of tutorials. Um, There's so many in there now (laughs) because it is almost five years old. So you just keep, you keep creating new, new tutorials. Yeah. Every wow. month. And mm-hmm. then in addition, every month, there's either a masterclass with a guest presenter or a question and answer session where I go in and, and, um, I mean, I really, what I try to do is gather all the helpful information I've, I've, um, I've acquired over the last month and then kind of report it. So it's like a little Q and a session, a reporting session, and then um, sharing any useful resources that are coming up um, with the group. And then I also, yeah, <laughs> gosh, I'm tired. I kind of, there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> and next there's another and one. <laughs> and um, also I have a library of kind of a la carte um, evergreen courses that mm-hmm. I've been adding um, as the years have gone on. Um, so you can find those all on my website. So mm-hmm. there's, there's some standalone classes. And then this year, um, there's some workshops, some in-person workshops as well. Oh, good. I wanted to ask you about that because you were kind of a traveling machine there for a while. And then COVID and the book probably changed your, your schedule and kind of your lifestyle. But, um, what do you have coming up in, in 2023 that people can maybe meet you in person and and study with you. First one is the first week of March in Seoul, South Korea, with a really wonderful school called Sasson Fleury. Um, I've admired them for years and they host a lot of international teachers. So that should be really exciting. Um, and then in April, I'm with um, Floor Mania. Our friend in common, Debbie Middleman, is mm-hmm. starting um, a workshop uh, series, I imagine called Fleur Mania. And she's hosting me and, um, Shanti Raid from Whipstone Farm will provide most of the flowers and Crystal Whitaker, who's an amazing, uh, inclusivity and aligned, um, leadership coach and Jordan Manny, who's a radical joy coach. Uh, and also Heather McFarland, who is a floral healing coach. So I think this will be a really fascinating, um, enlightening, and a real creative boost that I think we all need, this retreat. And it's in Arizona in 
April, which the weather yeah. will probably be really, you know, that'll feed you too, just getting out into the desert. Definitely. Yeah, that's in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. And then in May, I'll be um, on Nantucket with Hopsa Lewis. And um, she's got a great, a great group of uh, educators lined up as well. And yeah, I've never been to that part of the world. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. All right. That's that's just the first half of 2023. I'm sure there's lots more coming after that. But always the summer pause and then there's some fall stuff. Yeah, so. but South Korea, uh, Scottsdale and Nantucket. I I I can I, I think they're all gonna be they're all gonna be creatively inspiring for you too, because you do respond to place and uh I know as you said, try to source locally, especially when you have a flower farmer involved in the course. We'll put all those links up too. Um Sue, uh, I have to say, reading Flowers for All, as I said, was such a treat. It came last, uh, came on Friday, and I sat down Saturday morning and read the entire book. And um, because it isn't text heavy, but the text that's there is so enriching, and it really expresses your values. And I, I actually jotted down something that you said was so profound in this book. I, I want it to be a graphic that we all put up on social media. Um, I thought we could close and talk about this. You said art made from nature should not contribute to its demise. And I that gave me the shivers when I read it. And I was like, so we all believe that, or those of us in Slow Flowers, in the Slow Flowers movement believe it, but you so uh, so eloquently stated something that is inarguable. Who could argue with that? And I just mm-hmm. really, I, I just wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about how you came to that Um that sentiment and wanted to share it in, in this book. Yeah. I think I heard that from someone, you know, when you hear something so good, you think I'm, I don't think I came up with that, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) maybe you, yeah, but maybe you put your own spin on it. Yeah. Right. You can't quite remember who said that. Um, I think I just listened to so many smart people talk about this topic that, you know, through osmosis, I've come up with some little, little gem sentences, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, um, I, I really enjoy the idea of thinking about flowers in a very kind of simple, clean way where, um, you're getting rid of anything extraneous that doesn't add anything, um, positive to, you know, to the equation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's no like chemicals that you need to process the flowers. Like you just need fresh water. You just need to gather them early when they're all, you know, charged up with moisture, wash off the dirt and put them in clean water. You know, there's, there's no single use plastic um, components to the designs, nothing that will kind of leave its heaviness after Mm -hmm. you have enjoyed the composition. So I guess I'm just, I'm just trying to shed all of those kind of conventional you have tos out of floristry and and just present things that I find um, are are just healthy, promote well-being, promote um, floral enjoyment, and peak curiosity. Mm. yeah, I think it's it's really um it goes along with some of the you know, themes that you talked about yesterday when we did the sustainability um, panel with Mayash. And I, 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 I just do, I do think you have this ability to distill down to like, what is the essence of what you want to communicate? And when you talked about asking yourself, is it compostable or reusable? And I thought, okay, 
everybody could take that matrix and run their business or run their flowers through it. And it could answer almost every challenge you were up against. And so mm-hmm. I appreciated, I appreciated you articulating that as well. And uh, that does come across, of course, in uh, Flowers for All. But I think if people are watching your trainings with the MASH Design Star workshops, that'll come through because the theme this year is for them is sustainability. So we'll yeah. we'll make sure we share that link. Um, there's just so much here, Sue. Congratulations. I'm so excited that your uh, second book is about to be published. And do you think you'll take a pause now on books or do you have something cooking up already? I don't know. (laughs) I always think, yeah, I'll take a pause, but I really enjoy writing. Um, We were talking about this before we started recording. I, I feel so passionate, but I'm not the best speaker like in the moment. I can't always, I can't always articulate everything that I want to express but if I can sit down and write, then I can really like, I can just like share everything I want to share. So I really, I'm really attracted to writing. I really Good. am. Good. Well, maybe we need a Sue McCleary column in the Slow Flowers Journal, like every quarter, Get give you a little word count and see what comes out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I thank you so much, my friend, and I'm so excited to get this out into the world and congratulations. Uh, it's it's a really special project and I, I just, it's sort of, it, it satisfies our craving for beauty, but also meaning. And I, I just think that that just is a perfect fit for where we are right now in our, in our world. So thank you. Thank you. I was very inspired by um, the Slow Flowers movement and um, tried to make every choice deliberately you know the the bases i bought the bulbs that i bought where i where i shopped for the materials it was all um front of mind so thank you for your influence oh thanks sue we'll talk soon okay bye deborah so much for joining us today. As I mentioned during our conversation, Sue has written something that resonated with me as I read the pages of Flower for All. In discussing sustainable practices, she wrote this, art made from nature should not contribute to its demise. Think about that sentiment and how it applies to your own actions and choices. I know I will. And I know you'll enjoy this beautiful book as much as I do. You can see the replay video of our interview for episode 594 at slowflowers.com. You can also check the show notes and find a lot of resources, including more photos from inside the book. To enter the drawings, go to susanmccleary.com slash flowers four dash all and follow the steps. I also have the link in our show notes. You'll need to first pre-order your copy of Flowers for All by February 6th and then follow the instructions at that link. Everyone who completes Sue's pre-order form will enjoy access to an exclusive and completely free workshop and you'll be entered into her drawings for the floral garments. Our next thank you goes to our friends at Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, 
and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. And thank you to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then.